Hey there, I'm Ange McCormack and this is 7am's Best Of series, where we look back at our favourite episodes from 2023. Today's episode is one that all of us in the team immediately thought of when we were picking out shows to feature this week. It's an episode from our special series on RoboDebt. This one's called The Whistleblower, but when we refer to it in the team, we just call it Colleen because this episode is all about Colleen Taylor, a woman who did something courageous and remarkable while working in a place that was doing something terrible and cruel. Without Colleen Taylor, the truth of RoboDebt may not have been fully exposed. Before we get to the episode, 7am editor Scott Mitchell is here to talk about it a bit more. Scott, why has Colleen's story stuck with you all year? Well, yeah, Ange, I mean, obviously there's there's really kind of practical stuff that was in both her evidence at the RoboDebt Royal Commission and, and in what she told us, revelations about who knew what at what point. Mm. But I think that why it sticks with you or why, why it certainly sticks with me is it's really a story about having a conscience and having courage and all the while, you know, Colleen, she doesn't see herself as sort of the perfect heroic whistleblower. She has a lot of regrets about whether she did enough, whether she could have done something earlier. But I think that what's so powerful about those doubts and and the way she views her own actions is it really sticks with you as what really often happens when regular working people try and stick up for the truth is it often is messy, it's difficult, Mm. and that honesty of Colleen and her humility about it really sticks with you. Mm, Yeah, she's so humble and what I loved about this episode You know, on 7am, the guests that are on the show are often journalists or experts, academics, politicians, but it was really refreshing to have a whole episode focusing on a kind of normal, ordinary person and just her her humility comes through, how principled and how how much she stuck to what she believed in throughout this whole ordeal is unforgettable. And I I really feel like we get to know her. And this episode genuinely made me cry. And it made, I've heard lots of people say that this episode brought them to tears. And there's like a particular moment you'll hear in this episode, which I think is what sets people off because it's so moving how Colleen reacted to it. And I remember listening to it. I'd only just started at 7am and it's, you know, in radio and podcasting and stuff, we, we talk about like driveway moments of um, of audio storytelling when you're listening to something on radio or on a podcast and you're in the car and you just sit in the driveway because you need to keep listening. I wasn't in the driveway, but I was getting ready for work and I remember <laughs> kind of running late for work because I was like, I need to just listen to this. This is so moving and emotional. So it's an episode that's always stuck with me. And the way that Rick, who hosts this episode, tells this story, I think is something that stands out as well. But it's not just us who really like this episode, Scott, is it? Yeah, it it probably is the one we've gotten the most feedback on from the audience. And, and in particular, I know that Rick, who hosted our whole series, and Cara, the producer, and myself all got messages from people who wanted to make mugs and T-shirts saying, what would Colleen Taylor do? (laughs) So sweet. So sweet, including some who are current public servants who who wanted to have that message nearby. 
Rick won two Walkleys uh, this year, and this episode was considered for one of them for his specialist reporting across all of RoboDebt. And then the last thing is that probably most significantly, after we had done the interview and, and you were in the office, I was in the office, and, and all of the team were watching the press conference as RoboDebt, um, the findings of that Royal Commission came down and we were still working on the series really hard. And at that pretty historic press conference, Bill Shorten mentioned Colleen Taylor and we'd done the interview, but we didn't know whether um, how much of her story would be part of that that announcement and those findings. And he said that she should get a public service medal. And I think that's probably something Colleen would um, reject. If shy, it was, away from. <laughs> shy away from if yeah. it was offered. But I think pretty fitting that her name got mentioned on what was a pretty historic day. Absolutely. She's an absolute hero. Let's get into this episode, which is hosted by Rick Morton. And a warning that this episode does discuss suicide. Colleen, how are you? Good, thank you. It's lovely to meet you. Come Finally, in. finally, finally. Um, Come in. Very strange moment for me, having seen you on the Royal Commission. Yes. <laughs> uh, welcome. Have a seat. Thank you for having me. It's all right now. Would you like something to coffee? Tea? So I've just walked into Colleen's house and it is small. It's really small. She lives here on her own and she's wearing this little polka dot top and has already offered me coffee, I think, about three times. Um, and she'll go on to offer all of our guests coffee and tea and biscuits, probably between 12 and 20 times before the end of this recording. Yeah, here we are. I'm teaching myself as I get older that it would be rude not to have the food that's on offer. <laughs> rather than get the other way Just help yourself. Yeah. Mm. She reminds me a little bit of my mother, I must say. She's got statues and ornaments all around the house. And behind her, as we start talking, there's these statues of three meerkats who pop their heads up above the the den, I guess, and are on the lookout. And I don't know, it seems perfect. That's Colleen Taylor to me. She is this small force of nature, methodical, wanting to do the right thing and always on guard. Um, so I'm Colleen Taylor and uh, I, I guess really I was a career public servant because uh, although I did work in private industry um, from really from age 18 onwards, um, I joined the public service in 1984 um, and worked in... So Colleen has spent almost her entire career in the Australian public service. She joined in 1984, first with the Commonwealth Employment Service and then for Centrelink proper where she moved into roles in compliance and quality review. She became essentially a fact checker, always on the lookout for what was real and true, checking her colleagues and making sure that the welfare system was running as it should. You know, it was very much the culture then of, we, we called it getting it right. And so getting it right related to the customer um, because you had to be correct, but you had to be consistent as well. So we also knew that so many people were trying desperately to do the right thing, but often it was the Centrelink procedures that prevented them from doing the right thing. And that's where it was so important that when we were investigating cases and looking at it, we're talking to people about why this happened and looking at what letters they were sent and what they were told. And, you know, we used to waive debts. So we basically 
wrote debts off because we could see quite clearly that this person had not intentionally tried to defraud the government. Um, see, but- Colleen was working in a system that used to help people, that gave them the benefit of the doubt. But that changed in 2015 when something very strange started to happen at Centrelink. Um, it was a departmental head and he came and it was an all-staff information session. He was go- going around to all the various teams and he came to us in Brisbane and he was basically... Frontline workers get a visit from one of the big managers and they're told, hey, we're going to do things a little differently around here. That different thing was what we now know as robo-debt. And he said, what's going to happen is we're going to be able to raise debts from using the PAYG data from the tax office and just averaging it out over that PAYG period. And we all went, what? How's that going to work? At the very least, in 2015, frontline staff who were briefed on this change knew it was morally and mathematically wrong. We knew that this was something that we would, we would avoid. And here he was saying, no, we're going to go full steam ahead and we're going to be able to average across the PAYG period when everything we did was to avoid that as much as possible. And what management came and told Colleen and her colleagues was this. Compliance officers were to no longer look at the files of people on welfare that they already had access to in their system. Further, they told them, don't go out and find out information. Centrelink had the power to go to employers and get payslips, to go to banks and get statements. And none of that happened. That was the change. Instead, all they were going to do was take an annual figure already declared to the Australian Taxation Office and average it out into equal discrete amounts over 26 fortnights in the year. They were going to use that to tell a customer, you've got a debt, even if they knew that they didn't. Even if you think... Well, forget about, you know, you obviously have no concern about the customer. Or maybe talk about yourself then. Wouldn't you find it easier to check the record, 30 seconds sometimes is enough, than send the debt notice out, have the customer then have to try and contact, then have to ask for a review, then have to go and review the debt, and then have to... There's a whole process that has to be gone through which could have been stopped in 30 seconds from going out. But there was this gung-ho, it became like, it's almost like an accounting machine that, um, you know, was devoid of all humanity. It's just... They could never have known then that the powerful people who cooked up the idea had legal advice that should have unequivocally killed the idea before it ever began. Instead, they found themselves in a maddening battle for the truth as people started dying. Perhaps more than anyone in the then Department of Human Services, it was Colleen Taylor who fought that fight. It almost ruined her. And welcome back to Richo. In our camera studio is Scott Morrison, the man who stopped the boats and is now going to stop who knows what. We'll find out. G'day, Scott. How are you? G'day, Graham. Now, who, who are you going to crack down on? Because a bloke like you is not going to sit there and do nothing. Now, does that mean that, that, that anyone on the dole has got to look out? Well, anyone who's, who's trying to rip it off does. Anyone who's trying to rip off the welfare system because every welfare benefit paid, every benefit paid. So even deep within the Department of Human Services, Colleen realised that this change was part of something much bigger. In fact, hating on people on welfare had become almost a national sport. And she realised that this was a part of that. And everyone bought into this 
okay, we've got 95% of people or more are ripping us off. So let's get stuck into them. And I'm really ashamed of the whole, you know, from politicians to shock jocks, media, newspapers, the public, public writing in, you know, everyone bought into this, you know, oh, let's get stuck into them. They're all ripping us off, you know. And how much must that have made people feel? But it was also um, from us as well because, you know, you felt ashamed to be a public servant that we knew this was wrong, but, oh, here we were, we were just going along with it. What do you do it. about it? Though? You know, and it's like where was our moral fibre? So this approach of averaging income, it was raw greed. RoboDebt could never have made the billions of dollars forecast for the government without the assumption that every last one of those so-called discrepancies was going to result in a debt. And to do that, everything had to be averaged. And so this became a policy, and it was rolled out to staff like Colleen. It never occurred to us that this was illegal. Why would we? We'd think, okay, this is this is something that's been formulated and it's come down and this is what you've got to work with. So we thought, okay, well, this is what we've got to deal with. Let's make it as fair as we possibly can. But here's the thing. Colleen had evidence that the system wasn't being rorted. She was being asked to hunt down people she knew from experience were not trying to do the wrong thing. In other words, she was being asked to be complicit. That was when I said, you're asking us to commit a fraudulent act and we have a fraud plan which is supposed to be about identifying fraud within the employees. And I said, this should stand for our customers as well. You are asking us to commit a fraudulent act by allowing a debt to go through by saying, okay, I know there's something on the customer record that shows there's no debt, but sorry, that was provided two years ago and we can't use that Here's what I find so compelling about Colleen Taylor as a person. She's methodical and she applies this rigour to her own morality. You know, here, watching this new system unfold against a backdrop of demonisation, she is so disturbed by what she sees that, you know, the ordinary procedures are not enough. She told her direct manager, nothing happened. She told the assistant director and was rebuffed. And what's a good hardworking employee to do? She reminds me so much of these meerkats in this moment because the meerkats aren't on the lookout for danger just for themselves. They're doing it for the group. And Colleen is doing all of this for other people. And so she goes right to the top. And in doing so, Colleen Taylor transforms her own role in RoboDebt from disgusted onlooker to administrative action hero. She wrote to the most senior person in her entire department, Secretary Catherine Campbell. And my feeling was that She's obviously being misled because I understood that at a secretary level, you wouldn't understand the minutiae of everything. And I thought, wow, who better to tell her than me, who's been in the old way and the new way, who was across it all, um, who had the customer experience, who have you. So I started typing up my email and I would do this at home and I'd be formulating it and what have you. And, And I certainly ran it past my team leader till we sat in their office and he said to me, oh, Colleen, you really got to cut it down. They're just not going to read that much. I think I, that was when I burst into tears for the 150th time and said, no, I'm not changing a thing. Um, so anyway, then I sent it off. And secretaries of departments have strict and unwavering obligations under the law. Colleen Taylor thought Campbell was being misled. It was in Campbell's best interest, she thought, to read her email very carefully 
and to treat it even more seriously. That morning, a phone call from Catherine Campbell saying, we've received this and we're on to it. And she was organising, she said, there'll be two of my staff will be doing a phone hookup, which was being organised for the next day. Very short conversation, just say, OK, I'm passing it on to these people to look at. And so I went out and said, my goodness, you know, and was like, wow, they're listening, it's all great, and, you know. So then we had the phone hookup the next day and I basically went through everything that I'd gone through and really I was pushing that, yes, we're stuck with this averaging because at that stage we didn't realise that it was illegal. We thought we're stuck with it. I was impressing, OK, if you're going to do this aver- averaging, this is all the the bad results of it. This is And then this is how the process is working and it's not working and it's causing all sorts of dreadful things. I, I, I mean, I was there... I think several hours. Then in the end, and I sort of, you know, took a deep breath and and I just remember as clear as day, okay, so what you're saying is the old process was very time consuming and laborious and this is going to be much quicker and whatever. And I thought, I've just wasted two hours of my life. And I remember going out to the team leader and he went, I said, how'd it go? And I said, I don't think she listened to a word I said. The question, of course, is whether they intended to listen at all. Neither Catherine Campbell nor any of her lieutenants dispatched to deal with the Irks and Colleen Taylor gave any indication they knew the importance of what she was desperately trying to tell them. Whether that was a studied or a genuine ignorance, Colleen does not know. What she does know is that she understood exactly what the new income averaging policy meant. She knew what RoboDebt would do. So you felt as if there was nothing to be achieved, but the very awful thing was I, I said to them when I came up back upstairs after doing those um, reviews and, and it was quite clear these debts were going out with duplications of employers, I came up and I, s- I remember saying to them, you cannot do this to people. People will commit suicide. You cannot do this to people. And I remember one of the other team leaders said to me, you're right, Colleen, but it's just gone too far. Just weeks later, Colleen Taylor read about the death of Reese Corzo in the Saturday paper. He was a 28-year-old florist, musician and beloved son and brother. And then when... Sorry. When it came out in the paper about Reese, I remember that, his beautiful face, uh, committing suicide. I stormed into the manager and I said, look, it's starting to happen. And it was just so awful. He was being hounded by private debt collectors on behalf of Centrelink. The Royal Commission proved, years later, that his debt belonged to the very first iteration of RoboDebt. He was being hunted via statutory fiction. He killed himself for a debt he did not owe. And anyway, so that was... I left, I went on leave um, in, I think, May of 2017 and took age retirement in July 2017. But what really... After Colleen Taylor retired, she received a letter from the department. Now, remember, she's been working there since 1984. She's been promoted. She's diligent. She trains other people. But the letter wasn't to thank her for her service. It was to remind her that she faced two years in prison 
she ever spoke about anything she learned throughout her career as a public servant. There was no other correspondence. In short, it was a so long and shut up. We'll be back after this. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for, please. <laughs> Please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy on yeah, this. If that's, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Alison Crogan, arts editor for The Saturday Paper. Schwartz Media has launched a new weekly arts and culture newsletter, The Arts, featuring cultural criticism, profiles and provocations from the writers behind the monthly and the Saturday paper, the arts will be delivered to your inbox every Tuesday. Sign up now at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Years passed for Colleen, sitting in retirement, scared that if she ever spoke up about what she'd seen and heard, she would be punished. Australia does not have a comfortable relationship with whistleblowers after all. She feared losing her own pension, or worse. But five years after leaving the department, she saw an opportunity to tell part of her story. The Royal Commission into RoboDebt was launched. The Royal Commission will examine the establishment of the scheme, who was responsible for it and why it was necessary, how concerns were handled, how the scheme affected individuals and the financial cost to government and measures to prevent this ever happening again. So Colleen worked up the courage to make an anonymous submission. Well, what happened was I knew that it was important because of the detail, and I thought, they're not going to understand how this worked in practice. So and I soon after, Guardian Australia reporter Luke-Henri Gomes tracked her down. And so I rang him and he said, your name is already out there. It's your emails are part of the exhibits and it's in there on their website. And I went, holy... And she thought she was going to jail. The next thing, uh, Royal Commission's wanting to get in contact with you. <laughs> so we went through the whole song and dance again. So uh, we went in there and, and talked to them. And, and stupid me, I'm thinking, there's this lady there who was excellent. Like, oh, they were all wonderful. Mm. She's typing away furiously on a laptop and I'm... And I'm th- no, no, I can't. I'll, I'll mention so you've got a bit of background, but I really, you know, I'm a, anyway. So the next thing, well, if we'd like you to appear as a witness, oh no, 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 I couldn't do that. And then, well, okay. Well, and so they did a few sample <laughs> questions, and so, and I said, I'm much better at writing things down. Could I just write something down? And then it's like, well, we'll do a statement. Oh, okay, I'll do a statement, whatever. <laughs> and of course, what I haven't realised, this person who's been tapping away furiously is basically that is the statement. writing my statement. But, I mean, we went through it. We spent <laughs> course, a whole day always going through and changing it so that, you know, I was happy with the statement and what have you. And then it was, okay, well, then you're going to be as a witness. And so, oh, no. and I really thought that I would either freeze or I'd burst into tears. Commissioner, I call Colleen Taylor. Now, Miss Taylor, before you sit down, 
Uh, can I ask, would you prefer to take an oath or an affirmation? So right. I was there sitting in the right antechamber or whatever it was. I waited so long that I just lost all my nerves, what have you. And the other thing I did is I took off my glasses so uh, I couldn't actually see people uh, in the distance and that helped. And I said to <laughs> Mr Scott, I'm just going to focus on you. Uh, you were formerly an employee of the Australian Public Service. Yes. Um, and would this be right, you started your employment in the Australian Public Service on or about uh, the year 1984? That's right. And this is a big deal for Colleen because she's not like the senior public servants who are called to give evidence at Senate estimates or other parliamentary inquiries or, God forbid, a Robodet Royal Commission where they're compelled to give testimony. Colleen is a normal person. And what makes her evidence so critical is that she never suffered the curious lapses of memory that seemed to affect her superiors. She remembered the details that other people just apparently didn't. She remembered how the system used to work, all its parts and procedures and protocols. And critically, she knew what had changed and could explain how those changes happened. Um, and then these are your words. Please allow me as a loyal employee of many years standing who has only ever raised concerns in-house, to respond to you directly as your statement tells me that you are being misled and I want to ensure my words reach you. We cannot find a solution if the problem is not correctly identified. It is possible we are not even looking in the right direction for a solution. And then the words in bold, there has been a very dramatic change within the last 18 months to the way in which compliance assesses income and calculates and recovers debt. See that? Yes. And was that your belief, that there had in fact been a dramatic change? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And This wasn't an iteration in debt recovery. This was a brand new money grab. Colleen remembered all of this. And when the Royal Commission came knocking, she told them. I feel really blessed that I had the opportunity to be at the Royal Commission because I think people must have had days and days and days and weeks of people going, I don't remember, I don't recall, I wasn't there, I didn't get that email or what have you. And it must have been a breath of fresh air, someone to come along and say, it was wrong and be specific about why it was wrong and that they knew. When did you finish your employment in St. I retired, age retired in July 2017. Can you tell us what the reason was for retiring? Uh, I just, I just was spent, I think. I just, um, it was just the, I guess, callous indifference that you just thought, is this what people do to each other? And it was just so sad. And it was, and you just thought nothing's going to change. And it seemed to that it was ramping up. For me, hard to believe that I am a shy person, but I am. <laughs> I just didn't want to be front and centre. I just thought, oh, this is, I hope I can just fade away because I didn't want it to be about me because so many other people had suffered and what have you. And I know that lots of friends and relatives were saying to me after I appeared, oh, you know, you're trending on Twitter and <laughs> all this sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, okay. You know? And people were saying just all these wonderful things. And I thought it could really turn your head. And then there was an email from Jenny Miller Mm. saying, I wish my son had been able to speak to Colleen Taylor. Mm. Sorry. You got me he now. would still be with me. And I thought that puts everything into perspective. That's what I find intolerable about this whole thing is they lied about 
oh, people commit suicide for all sorts of reasons and really had nothing to do with Roe, but it, there was definitely a connection. For Colleen, getting a letter from the mother of the young man she had read about in the paper meant the world. And she wasn't being imprecise when she was talking about senior bureaucrats saying you couldn't link robo-debt to people who killed themselves and that it would be unfair to do so because we just don't know what goes on inside people's lives. But what Colleen knows is that there are cases like Reese's, like another case mentioned in the same breath at the Royal Commission, of a woman who killed herself after receiving debt reminder notices in May 2017, there are cases that are inexplicably linked to robo-debt. And to then go on about, you know, oh, well, you don't know what's happening in people's lives, you know. Well, yes, you do know that people are vulnerable. People who are on benefits generally, there's lots of things happening in their life. These are not the people to treat as criminals. These are not the people to send out debt collectors to. These are not the people to make it as difficult as possible for them to navigate this system, you know. And if you don't know that, you shouldn't be in charge of them. No, You shouldn't be making policy. And that's what I hope from the Commission, that they identify the people who should never again be in a managerial position where they're looking after um, things that involve the public, you know, because there was just, it was like a, uh, they'd all had lobotomies. There was the empathy gene had just gone completely, you know, whether that was a prerequisite to, to get into management, I don't know, but it's just, uh, you know, it just, I don't know. It hurts. It's easy now to look back and ask these types of questions. Why wasn't it stopped? Why didn't anyone seem to care? And because of this Royal Commission, we know at least some of the answers. It pained me that the only thing that stopped it in the end was that it was illegal. And you think, and thank God those people doggedly pursued it all those years. But why wasn't it stopped? Because it was unjust. It was unfair. It was cruel. All these things, none of it seemed to make any difference. Just who was looking at that? And while Colleen continues to struggle with whether she did enough, whether she could have sent emails to more people or yelled more loudly, we know Robodeck continued because there were many more people who didn't even try. They saw injustice and they chose silence. The big thing was that disappoints me is they didn't deserve my loyalty still upsets me to this day, but there was that overwhelming thing of there's nothing you can do. You can just be a part of this horrible thing of what you're doing to people, knowing that, yes, you would think, stay there, fight, you know. And I still to this day think, what could I have done differently? Well, you leave there with your head held much higher than almost everyone else. Yes, I, I am. I, I'm happy for what I what I did, and I'm so glad that it's on the historical record and that it's come up in the Royal Commission, and and I stand by every single word I said, and and I'm very very grateful to yourself and Luke and the Commission um, giving me this opportunity. And but uh, please let me go back into the woodwork. <laughs> I think you can go back in the woodwork uh, and hopefully a generation of public servants will be asking themselves, what would Colleen Taylor do? Yes, exactly. Because that would be the, the, uh, yes. the right frame of mind, yes, that's I think. that's right. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. 
the Royal Commission found that Catherine Campbell had ignored warnings about RoboDebt repeatedly. You'll remember that's THE Catherine Campbell, the one who Colleen explicitly emailed about her concerns. She was involved intimately in the preparation of the new policy proposal, which removed all references to income averaging and had the effect of misleading Cabinet. She was also found to have personally ordered her own officials to call off the request for legal advice from the Australian government solicitor because to do so would likely prove embarrassing to her. Catherine Campbell is currently on leave from her $900,000 a year job as a supervisor for the AUKUS nuclear submarine project. And as for Colleen Taylor... Colleen Taylor, and she'll, she'll probably kill me for saying it, <laughs> Her evidence was exemplary, and Commissioner Holmes, as I said, did focus in that she restored faith. So I'd love to see Colleen Taylor, one of the frontline people in the public service, get a PSM. But that's just a personal opinion. Bill Shorten said Colleen should receive a public service medal for being one of the few public servants to step forward and try and expose what happened. Because some of the real heroes here weren't the people who should have been. The real leadership came from the rank and file of the organisation who spoke up, even at risk of their own job security and promotion. Colleen will be making her cups of tea, cups of coffee, and I think there's a certain calm that comes with the knowledge that you did the right thing. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au.